Ken, you've, you travel the country, you travel the world, speaking on apologetics. Uh, how important is it for a Christian to have a firm understanding of what they believe in? Well, we live in a world that's really the broad way and the narrow way is very narrow, uh, going the opposite direction. So you're going to meet a lot of non-Christians out there, but you're going to meet a lot of people uh, who certainly uh, don't accept what we accept concerning God's word. And they'll have all sorts of questions. And if we can't answer those questions, then we're being a very poor witness. You know, First Peter 3.15 says, always be prepared to give an answer or give a defense, uh, translated from the Greek word apologia, Right. That, that's that's a big word for you. Yes. Apologia, yeah. uh, which means to give a logical reason defense of the faith. And that's where our word apologetics come from. So we're not to apologize for our faith, quite the opposite. But we need to be able to give answers. And, you know, it's interesting. The first time uh, that I taught science uh, in a public school in Australia in 1975, probably before you were born. No, I was born twice by then. Oh, okay. So, okay. I, I get that. Good. Actually... You were probably born way before me. You're older than me. Just a little. Way older. Yeah, no one would believe that, but so, I am. I'm not so, buying it. <laughs> no, no, you can tell. You do the eye ring dating. Eye <laughs> <laughs> ring dating. Yes. It's like the tree, but well, you it, count crow's like feet. Ten, ten years every ring. <laughs> yeah, he is older than me. So You know uh, what killed Methuselah, don't you? Blowing out his birthday candles. <laughs> Heart attack. <laughs> Look at that on that Ken Hang smile. <laughs> Well, it's typical of Ray Comfort type joke. Why is it that uh, it's beans that people always spill? And why is it a hill of beans? I couldn't care. A hill well, of beans. Hold on. People spill milk too. <laughs> yeah, I don't cry over that. Why isn't it corn or Brussels sprouts <laughs> or like cilantro? Ray, have you ever spilled the cilantro? I'd love to. <laughs> Into the ketchup. Ray, please eat cilantro. No, for don't us. even talk about it. Does it, it taste like soap too? Hang on a minute. Poodle in the teeth. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> That's not nice. Okay, but Ray, let me ask you this. Would you rather do uh, the whole tied to a chair uh, in a white room scenario or tied uh, down and forced to eat cilantro? Both. <laughs> <laughs> Pick one, Ray. No, I'm not. No. <laughs> they're, they're both that miserable that for you? That is horrible. Does it horrible. taste like uh, soap to you? I know to some people just, cilantro I thought like I'd eaten dead cockroaches. I'm not, okay. I'm not joking. I, I thought something is wrong with this. Wait, that wasn't cilantro. It that was, was dead just, cockroaches. Wait, if I imagine if, if ever I ate a dead cockroach, that's what it would taste like. Are you sure? I, I remember what? the second Hold I bit into it. Why does a cockroach have to be dead? Well, they won't stay still when you I eat actually, them. I actually, I figured it out. When Ray was eating the cilantro, part of his beard was just stuck up inside of his mouth. Yeah, I'm convinced you've never had cilantro now. No, I was in a car. I remember the second I bit into it, it was a hamburger or something. I went, Still wiggling. Was Ray, there's probably something else in there. You've missed yeah. out on thinking. the beauties of cilantro. I was thinking of that until I tried it again. and found oh, you did try it again. The cockroach. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> Mark and Oscar, have you guys ever spilled the wiener schnitzel? <laughs> oh, boy. You know, listen, for the first time ever, I think, in the history of my marriage, my wife said to me the other day, we should go get some wiener schnitzel. Because did I'm always cry? flying Stop. solo. Did you cry? Seriously? I was like so excited. She got two dogs. I got four chili cheese dogs. Oh boy. And I wasn't even hungry. Did you say for the first time? For the first time, she recommended us to go get it. Because well, I'm always flying solo, going to get it on my own. Uh, Sounds like we need to put a double date on the calendar. <laughs> to mm. win your schnitzels. You know what? And she did follow it up with, I will never eat this ever again. <laughs> a wise woman. Yeah. She must have got some cilantro um, in it. Okay. Uh, Oscar, only coffee with creamer. For a year, or um, go on, or 
<laughs> waiting in a podcast for something intelligent. Yeah, something. Uh, Mark, uh, no winner schnitzel for a month. Or? Or? I don't know. I wrote notes. I forgot to finish them. There was something I meant to say. Oh, that's what it was. Only coffee with creamer for a year or no wiener schnitzel. Oh, I would rather go no wiener schnitzel. I'll do no coffee. I can't drink the coffee. It does gives me heart like palpitations yeah. and oh, gives really? me anxiety. And, Why is it oh. that coffee affects me that way too? It's weird. Is it really? I, yeah, like soda caffeine doesn't affect me that way, but it's, yeah. yeah. I've only drunk one cup of coffee. It wasn't, it was about a quarter of a cup. Only ever? Mm, you... I, was, I was on a pleasure cruiser going to Tahiti, and I was totally drunk, and I had cream in the top. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't a Christian, and I hated it still. Ray, mm. why do you say Tahiti? It's Tahiti, man. Look. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ta actually, isn't it like Tahiti? Tahiti. Yeah, it is. Man, if I was saying help, I'm drowning, you guys would pick on the way I say help. Yeah. Hey, listen to it. Good point and laugh. <laughs> say, say it again, Ray. It sounds funny. <laughs> we'll throw you like a buoy, like 20 feet away. A buoy? What's a buoy? A boy. you can float on. It's a boy. <laughs> what? It's pronounced boy. No, it's a buoy. It's not a boy or a girl. It's a buoy. <laughs> it's a boy. Make you swim to it. A boy. This is crazy. You know what? Something's messing up with my notes Good. because I'm doing that one drive thing, and that's why it's not finished here. It didn't include what I was going to ask you guys. Don't Never be mind. angry, bro. <laughs> he needs some okay. milk. Hey, we got stuff, guys. Okay, Mark, you got this package from Yeah, when we were Louisiana in uh, Louisiana and Texas. Texas. Okay, let's see. It's gifts for us. They said to open yes. it during the podcast. Okay. Socks. What? Socks. There'll be a special socks. I think it's all socks. <laughs> Good socks. I love wow. brand new socks. Uh, this Good one socks. extra small. With Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use it as a sleeping bag. I can't express how thankful I am for you guys. Before I found y'all, I knew that Jesus died for me. And after listening to your videos and podcasts, how I know why Jesus died for me. Thank you again. And I'm praying for you. Wow. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Caleb. What are you throwing, Oscar, everywhere? Stickers to everybody. <laughs> that was terrible. Thank song. you, Caleb. Socks. We need to send these to Ken Hamray so we never see his toes again. Don't even say What's it. wrong with his toes? He could oh, put them all oh. on there. Oh. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right, friends. Here's a comment. This is from... Uh, Do you think you're a good uh, sock? Thumbs up, thumbs up. What? Do you think you're a good sock? <laughs> They're called good socks. <laughs> good socks. These look really nice. Thank you, Caleb. Thank you, what sir. All right, friends. Uh, here's a comment. This is uh, from, I don't know, it just says thumbs up, thumbs up. To Oscar, Ray, Mark, and E, asterisk, 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 <laughs> Z, asterisk, 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 asterisk. My name is Sutter Green, and a while back I wrote a review on the podcast, and you guys read it on the podcast and mentioned my YouTube channel. I wanted to say thank you so much for doing that and also congratulations on the 200th episode. Boy, this was written a while back. You guys are such an encouragement for me. Thank you for doing what you do. P.S. Thank you to E asterisk 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 Z asterisk 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 asterisk. I can't say your name via Oscar's request. <laughs> oh boy. You I went on his podcast. Oscar. Neat guy. Really? Did yeah, you really? He's, he's just a youngin. What do you say? Like 13... Yeah, I think he's a teenager. Old. Yeah. Uh, so, so great. Um, I, I love him. He went on there with his friends and they were just asking questions. That's awesome. Yeah, it was a really neat time. Yeah. Praise the Lord. All right, friends, this podcast is brought to you by Volatile, the nations of the Bible. Wait, what? <laughs> the, That's nations, the nations, the Bible says, will attack Israel in the latter days. Ray, what is it with your like paragraphs for subtitles? What I don't are you know doing? what you're talking about. What? I don't know what you're talking about. You didn't hear anything I just said. Yeah, yeah, you had pronounced volatile the wrong way. Volatile. 
Yeah, that's our American set. It's volatile. It's E on the end. You say volatile? Yes. We all say volatile. Okay, it's wrong. We're really volatile. <laughs> I think nation? I say volatile. What's that? I think I say volatile. Oh, thank you, Oscar. Volatile. 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 What do you say, Mark? Volatile. <laughs> Who cares? Keeps... Volatile. You <laughs> <laughs> keep saying it. It sounds weird. It does. Volatile. The nations the Bible says will attack Israel in the latter days. Uh, volatile shows how 2,500 years ago the scriptures actually named the countries that would attack Israel in the latter days. Regardless of whatever your eschatological view may be, you're going to love this book. <laughs> sure. And don't forget, Fran. Sure, he said. <laughs> I, found, I found common ground. Yeah. Uh, and don't forget, friends, the Living Waters Mug, the Evidence Study Bible, and Living... Wait. At Living Waters... <laughs> Whoa. Wow. Livingwaters.com. Wow. We are off today, Oscar. For all, all right, I'm, I'm on. Yeah, easy. So, yeah, Oscar sounded on. <laughs> just me, the off Arab. All right, guys. Um, Mark and I were away in Texas and Louisiana. Mark, we had a great time. Boy, oh boy. Those are some sweet guys. Yeah. For those of you out there, man, a shout out. And uh, we met Caleb too. He's he's a brother who gave us the socks. What a what a dear brother, man. Thank you for he said he found out about it. I think someone gave a flyer out or something in town. He's like, What? And he's a listener to the podcast. Oh wow. Yeah. And we had buttermilk pie. Oh. Which is just buttermilk crust and sugar. Mark. Which was amazingly good. That was magical, wasn't it? It was so good. Yeah. Wait, wait. So what would you rather have, buttermilk pie or meat boy? Meat boy? Meat pie. Meat Probably meat boy. The yeah, meat boy is very good. And boy. a shout out to JR and our sister Shannon. They hosted us. And uh, boy, that pork that we had Mark, Mark yeah. for dinner that night. Mm. Anyway, friends, we weren't here while Kenneth Hammoth was here with uh, Oscar and Ray. That must have been fun. And Joe Boone. Oh, he and joined Joe Boone, us for the podcast. Course, brother Joe. Yeah. And the young lady that was with him. And the young man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, hmm. yeah young people. And Lalo. <laughs> old people like Lalo. Lalo. Yeah. Um, so anyway, they were here, and you guys interviewed them without us. How dare you? So they, Oscar did a great job. I barely <laughs> held on. All right, Franza, without any further ado, here is Ray Comfort, Ken Ham, Oscar, and Joe Boone spilling the beans. Hello, friends, and welcome to Living Waters Podcast. This is your host, Easy, and today's episode is brought to you by my new audiobook, Memorized Bible Verses at 10 Speed. Have you ever wanted to listen to the Bible in under an hour? Well, now you can. Read by yours truly, the Arab Cherub, me, found only at Living Waters. Dot com. Now that oh, sounded like Mickey Mouse <laughs> more than easy. <laughs> hey, I was trying to go for the easy. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, yeah, three out of ten. He's going to punch me in the face when he hears that. <laughs> Today's a very special episode. We have with us, I'm not sure if he's a close friend or an enemy. It is Ray Comfort and Ken Ham. And close, then, close friend. Close friend? Mm-hmm. A frenemy. Frenemy. And uh, Joe Boone. Enemy. Yes. <laughs> Welcome, guys. Thank you. Joe is the president, you're president of Answers in Genesis. Mm-hmm. We're, wow. on, we're honored to have you here. Well, President. it's great to be here. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, to have Ken here, Ken's a good friend, and we text each other daily, and he's here in the We've flesh. been doing that for millions of years. <laughs> millions millions <laughs> of years. You know, you guys could probably put a book together with your oh, yeah. We just have yeah. to... 
just print the text. <laughs> we need to, if we go back and print all those texts. Oh, boy, that would, would be interesting. It. No, I, they'd, they'd love it, but they'd think we're crazy. That, that Absolutely. Would, yeah, that, can we talk about this? Cause that I, would have I've, us put away. It would. I've seen glimpses of this text thread. I hear about it often. Uh, let's talk about this for a second. You guys enjoy just dissing each other, and that's basically the sum total of your relationship. No, 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 no. no let me <laughs> explain it. Australians cannot give a compliment without an insult because they're very proud. They can't say, like an American, <laughs> I love you, and leave it at that. It's like, I love you, you idiot. <laughs> Kids like don't touch me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You see, they can't. We don't hug either. No, we don't hug. And there's a certain space. Americans can get like six inches or twelve inches from each other. Australians and New Zealand's probably about three feet. No, four. Three feet. Yeah. <laughs> no, listen. You know how much you like someone in Australia when you insult them. The yeah. more you're insulted, the more you like someone. And so I try to insult Ray as much as I can. All right. Every day In fact, I get there insults. are days that he texts me and says, I'm feeling down today. Can you please insult me? <laughs> and then I send him an insult. And then he yeah. says, it makes my day. He's it makes yeah, better. Ken has a gift of insults. Yeah. Whenever I see the word insult, I think of Ken. Always. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Joe, yeah. do, you, do you experience the... The love of Ken Ham oh, as well? Oh, yeah. Ken's been loving me for 17 <laughs> years. <laughs> I, I know a little bit about this. I had uh, two roommates. I had Little Dave and Big Dave. Little Dave was about five feet tall, so maybe about a foot taller than you, Ray. And Big Dave was from Australia. He was a big, muscular guy. I, I used to think like all Australians were muscular until I met you, Ken. Uh, and and Big Dave used to just make fun of me. I'll take all, note of that <laughs> all the time. Yeah. I used to think that he didn't like me until one day I heard him like talking to his mom back home, and he's like, "Oh yeah, Oscar's my best mate. He's so great." And I'm like, "I thought he hated yeah. me." So I guess the question here, Ken, is why are you the way that you are? What what is it about Australians that that the 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 uh, the diss is a part of the affection? Well, Romans eight explains it's foreign <laughs> creation. Uh, well. <clears throat> You know, it goes back to our heritage because our founding fathers had great convictions. It's true. <laughs> Explain that one. That's a little deep for most people. Well, for Americans because they don't understand American his, Australian history. They wouldn't have a clue. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So, you know, uh, Captain Cook sailed up the East Coast in the 1770s. Do you know that? Mm -hmm. And when was the first fleet? When did they come out and, make, and settle there? I can't remember. Sydney Harbour, 1788. Uh-huh. Yeah. 1769, he discovered New Zealand. So New Zealand got discovered before Australia. By Cook. I didn't even know New Zealand got discovered. <laughs> <laughs> People have tried to, tried to uh, not discover it ever since. Undiscover <laughs> it? Yes, exactly. So, um, no, I think in the Australian culture, it's just uh, the, the Australians, because it did start as a convict settlement in a way, I think, um, and they were treated very harshly and very badly. So England uh, sent the, convicts as, to Australia to, as punishment. <laughs> as punishment. But a lot of it was for very, you know, the crimes were just, you know, like... Stealing bread. Stealing food for your family oh, or something really? like that. Um, but, and they were treated very harshly, and Australians tend to always, therefore, uh, want to protect the underdog. Ah. And uh, there's always been that little bit of rebellion against authority. I like that. And uh, so I think... You know, all of that's part of our history. Uh -huh. And so when I see a figure like Ray that thinks he's an authority because he comes from New Zealand, then... Who can know, literally walk under a dog? Uh, you just you just have to deal with that, you know? So... Yeah, um, that makes sense. I, uh, when we were in Australia a few months ago, uh, every time I met someone right before sharing the gospel with them, my opening line was, so what are you in for? It didn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, not these days it wouldn't. I know, I know. Uh, so we want to talk today about 
um, really just like the history of AIG, where, where it all started. I have a first question. Oh, you do? Ken, this is for you. Often ministries don't give a very high profile to wives. How many do you have? And how did, <laughs> and how many did, you, how did you meet? <laughs> See that expression. <laughs> no man can serve two masters. You only got one wife, I know. I, I have one wife. Uh, actually, actually, I have about seven. You do? <laughs> yeah. There's Mally in the morning. There's Mally mid-morning. There's Mally at lunchtime. It sounds Mally like a song. It sounds like a song from the 60s. <laughs> I'll be in trouble here if she... Uh, yeah, I was going to say, when she hears this, you're getting Mally Bear. Uh, so uh, anyway, so um, yeah, I have uh, one wife. And how, and how did you meet? Uh, we met uh, 50 plus years ago because we've been married 51 years, so it must be over 50 years oh, ago that yeah, we met. What a woman. I, I think, <laughs> I think <laughs> she has awards. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think we first met in 1972, hmm. January 1972, in church. It was love at first sight. For she's, you. How old oh, we? she saw me and realized. Are you sure it was 72? Because I was saved in 72. I don't remember that. It's what do you remember even what you did yesterday (laughs) so um, no she actually the the church had a competition each year the church that she went to uh, like like you have Miss Australia or Miss Universe they had Miss the name of the suburb was Sunnybank and it was a Methodist church so they had a Miss Sunnybank Methodist and she won because she was you know she would have won Miss Universe Miss Australia everything she still still would Uh, so um, I walked in, she was handing out hymn books. She looked at me and said, I'm going to get you. And she did. Her story is very different. <laughs> it is. We have a video, in fact, of that. Do you? Yeah. The 50th anniversary recorded separate interviews. Oh, of really? The two of them asking the quest- those kind of questions. Well, we're going to have to link it. And we it had to different stories. Story. Yeah. We're going to yeah. have to. For some reason. Amazing. <laughs> we're going to have to my, link it into my the My interpretation show of things is a little different to her interpretation Shocking. of things. Yeah. Yeah, we'll link uh, it into the show notes. Uh, and actually, do you, do you know what car I was driving and when we were mm. going out together, what car I was driving? And they had cars back then? Um, yeah, many. A VW Beetle. <laughs> oh, really? Yep. Yeah. And on our That's first, what I've got. On our first night out, we went to a drive-in picture theater. Remember the drive-in picture theater? Yes, Are I Are you did. old enough to remember Yes, I do. <laughs> and where you drive in and you put the speaker in your window. Oh, yeah. And then you watch the movies. Mm. The old and, black and uh, white. So I was, here we were, I was nervous because it was, you know, First night out and at the end and movie finished and I put in the first gear and took off and ripped the speaker out of the post. Oh, did you really? That's the most yes. Ray Comfort thing I've ever heard yeah, you do. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, yeah that's So funny. see, I was trying to make a real impression on her. Well, you did. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure. Well, listen, uh, I think it's important to, to not assume. I, I'm always surprised when I have a conversation with a, a, you know, a follower of Living Waters and, and we bring up uh, AIG and they've not heard of you guys because I feel like the whole world should have heard of you guys from now. So well, it's let the me... same thing when I talk about to people at Living Waters. They've yeah. never heard of that either. Yeah, yeah. No, I believe that. But let me take a step back and Joe, why don't you tell us, uh, for the listeners who, who are not familiar uh-huh. with AIG, why don't you tell us who, who you guys are and what do you guys do? Well, the focus of the ministry of Answers in Genesis is on uh, biblical authority and the gospel, uh, which you're very familiar with, <laughs> Somewhat. Um, and, and upholding the authority of God's word, answering the skeptical questions that people have today, Christians and non-Christians, uh, that, that cause them to uh, have doubt that the Bible is true. 
Yeah. yeah. So that is the, a big focus of our ministry. I love that you said both Christian and non-Christian, because what I've discovered in apologetics is that often the things that we put forward are definitely in defense of our faith as they proclaim the as we proclaim the gospel. But I also notice that Christians still need to be edified in the truths and that they believe. Ken, you've, you travel the country, you travel the world, speaking on apologetics. Uh, how important is it for a Christian to have a firm understanding of what they believe in? Hey, listener, have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? Well, now you can get one. That's because Living Waters is giving away 10 free boxes of goodies every single week. That's eight in the USA and two overseas. And this is being made possible by a faithful partner of ours that has given us funds to make these resources available to you for free. Each of these boxes has a hundred dollars. That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. Livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. Well, we live in a world that's really the broad way and the narrow way is very narrow, uh, going the opposite direction. So you're going to meet a lot of non-Christians out there, but you're going to meet a lot of people uh, who certainly uh, don't accept what we accept concerning God's word. And they'll have all sorts of questions. And if we can't answer those questions, then we're being a very poor witness. You know, First Peter 3.15 says, always be prepared to give an answer or give a defense, uh, translated from the Greek word apologia, Right. That, that's that's a big word for you. Yes. Apologia, uh, which means to give a logical reason defense of the faith. And that's where our word apologetics come from. So we're not to apologize for our faith, quite the opposite. But we need to be able to give answers. And, you know, it's interesting. The first time uh, that I taught science uh, in a public school in Australia in 1975, probably before you were born. No, I was born twice by then. Oh, okay. So, okay. I, I get that. Good. Actually... You were probably born way before me. You're older than me. Just a little. Way older. Yeah. No one would believe that, but so, I am. I'm not so, buying it. <laughs> no, no, you can tell. You do the eye ring dating. <laughs> eye ring dating. Yes. It's like the tree, but well, you it, count it's crow's like feet. Ten, 10 years every ring. <laughs> 30, 30, 30, 40. Yeah, he is older than me. So You know uh, what killed Methuselah, don't you? Blowing out his birthday candles. Heart attack. <laughs> Look at that on my Ken Hang smile. <laughs> Well, it's typical of Ray Comfort type joke. So, oh, um, thank you. Anyway, uh, the student said to me, Sir, we heard you're a Christian, we know, uh, but they can't be right. How can you be a Christian? The Bible's not true. How do you know the Bible's not true? Because of what they were taught in their textbooks about evolution, millions of years. And, I, and then they asked a question, how did Noah get the animals on the ark? And uh, so it was important to be able to give answers. And that's what I started to do, give those answers to them. And they saw that we could defend our faith and because they think that we Christians don't have answers. You know, one of the sad things is I've been to many youth groups over the years in churches, and I find that uh, they say they don't know how to answer questions about, you know, how do you know there's a God or where did God mm-hmm. come from? Or what about dinosaurs? Or does science conflict with the Bible? Or they don't, they've never been taught that. Most churches don't teach apologetics, sadly. And 
in the research we did that we published in a book in 2009 called Already Gone, uh, we were looking at why young people were leaving the church and not returning and so on. And the questions asked were, you know, what caused you to doubt God's word and why leave the church? And many, many times they said, because we didn't get answers to our questions. Yeah. You know, I would ask uh, their Sunday school teacher or ask their pastor. And a lot of times they were told, well, don't worry about that, just trust in Jesus. Mm -hmm. But it's very important to give those answers to show we can defend our faith and also to stop... Uh, the attacks on God's word being a stumbling block to people as it is to a lot of young people. And then yeah. they just walk away. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think it's actually, it's it's important for Christians to recognize that it's okay to have questions. I think a lot of times right. where they where they don't have answers in their regular, you know, everyday Sunday school church, they feel like, oh man, maybe I'm not allowed to. They want me to just trust in Jesus. And trust is absolutely important as it pertains to your salvation, but you should also ha be able to have an open dialogue. Can you help me understand? Because God has spoken so much truth into our questions and, uh, and, and to go unanswered is a problem. Well, you know, and you see a consequence of that because quite a number of times I've been uh, talking to young people in churches and I've actually asked them, uh, you know, how, uh, if you're a Christian, then how do you know, you know, the Bible is true and so on. And, and many times I'll say, well, by faith. And I'll say, what sort of faith? And they say, mm -hmm. blind faith. And mm -hmm. I say, no, no, no. It's the atheists that have a blind mm -hmm. faith. And it, it's not only a blind faith, it's a faith that lacks credulity. We don't have a blind faith. We have a faith that makes sense of what we reasonable. see and we can defend it. And, you know, objective faith, a reasonable faith, a faith that can be confirmed mm -hmm. over and over again uh, by what we see in this world, what we observe and so the on. The big nod's coming from uh, Oscar is because he was a, a devout atheist who was Dawkins' follower and had a pile of books they used to read and God got hold of him and transformed him. I got a question for you, Ken. Answers in Genesis. I know why it's called Answers in Genesis. Answers in Genesis. I said answers. I, I was going <laughs> to correct you before, but I let it go when you said answers. Um, how did you come up with that name? Was it you or Mally or did you just wake up in the middle of the night and say Answers in Genesis? <laughs> um, yeah, there was... <laughs> a piece of paper came down out of heaven. <laughs> and I said, actually, you know what was interesting? When we first started uh, the organization in America here in Kentucky, we incorporated in 19. Uh, now I'm trying to remember. Just mumbling. It was 30 years ago. Yeah, okay. 93. 93. Yeah. No one remember. 1993. That's right, because we moved yeah. to Kentucky in 1994. Yeah. So it was December 1993 when we first incorporated. So we used, we just used. A name, we, we just pulled a name out of a hat, and I think it was Creation Science um, Ministries. Yeah. And we said, that's just a temporary name for now. And so then in 1994, towards the end of that year, we had our first board meeting. We had appointed a, a couple of, we'd asked a couple of people to be on the board with us, and there were the three founders, myself, uh, Mark Lawley, and Mike Zobath. And we met in Jackson, Wyoming. And as we were talking there and meeting, we're talking about, you know, the emphasis of the ministry is going to be a biblical authority a ministry. Uh, and even though we're on about young earth and deal with fossils and evolution and so on, that's because they all attack the authority of the word of God. But ultimately, we're on about the authority of the word and the gospel. And we're talking about what, what name should we, should we give the ministry? And... You know, 1 Peter 3.15 has always been one of my favorite verses. First always Peter. be prepared to give mm -hmm. uh, an answer. First Peter. 
three fifteen. You can talk to Trump about one. One Peter. Person. One Peter. One Peter. Yeah. <laughs> well, he can make a good Australian. So anyway, First Peter three fifteen. Um, for for just so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And it has the word answers there. Always be prepared to give answers. And we said, you know, what we're doing is we're giving answers to people, and the answers really start in Genesis because Genesis one to eleven is the foundation for everything. There's nothing it's not the foundation for. And we said the answers are in Genesis, so why not answers in Genesis? And that's how the name came about. And actually, do you realize uh, no matter what happens, the answers will always be in Genesis because Genesis 1 to 11 is the foundation for the rest of the Bible, for our Christian worldview, uh, for uh, our doctrine, for the gospel, for everything. I believe it was G.K. Bill that said something like the first 11 chapters of Genesis are everything you need to know, and then the Bible after that is commentary. Uh, and he was using hyperbole, of course, it's all God's written word, it's all equal, uh, it's all inerrant and authoritative, but the point that he was making is similar to what you're saying, which is Genesis 1 through 11 gives us our worldview, our foundation for understanding what comes next in God's world, word and what's happening right now in God's well, world. It gives you the information to enable you to build a true biblical worldview. Yeah. And as I say to people, if you want to deal with any issue, it doesn't matter what the issue is. If you want to deal with fossils or gender or marriage or the family or death and suffering or stars or, you know, the Grand Canyon or... Any issue whatsoever, you have to start with Genesis 1 to 11 because they have the origin of all the basic entities of life in the universe. That's a big word for you, entities. Uh, the origin <laughs> of all the basic entities yep. of life and the universe, and it's foundational to everything. It's foundational understanding why Ray Comfort's getting older. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's the because curse. of sin. <laughs> yeah. Joe, how did you first come across AIG? What's your, before you worked there, obviously you, I'm, I'm assuming yeah. that you had yeah. some sort of right. relationship that inspired yeah. you in some way. Tell me oh. about that. So Ken, should I give the long version or the short version? Well, it depends. The Ray Comfort version. The Ray Comfort version. <laughs> short, short version. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So, um, Actually, it was a next door neighbor that invited uh, me and my wife to come uh, to the Indiana Homeschool Convention back in 1995. And of course, I was like, oh, homeschooling, is that is that legal? Uh, so, um, but anyway, we went with them. We came to this convention and um, the keynote speaker in Indianapolis was was Ken Ham. Sorry about that. <laughs> and uh, it was like light bulb moment. All, all of his his talks, uh, the one dealing with or one race, one blood, very impactful of my eyes. I was like, wow, I've never heard this before. It gave me answers uh, to affirm uh, a lot of the questions uh, that I had, got us into a Bible-believing church uh, and uh, very impactful, absorbing all those resources and bringing them in, helping to equip our, our family. It's awesome. Man, and, you know, an interesting part of that is that um, in 1995, uh, at that uh, convention, uh, the homeschool convention, mm -hmm. I was uh, in a hotel room uh, there, um, basically getting ready to go over and speak. And I got a phone call from my brother to say my father passed away. Now, I'd talked to him before that and talked about going home and so on. And he said, I won't be here when you come back. And, you know, 
uh, I'd rather you speak to all those people and rather you get the message of God's word out than come home. Mm, so wow. About just, be, just mm. before I was to go over and speak, I got a phone call saying my father passed away and then I walked over there and gave that talk and I wow. didn't know Joe Boone would be in the audience. <laughs> and actually over the years, I've heard of a couple of others that were greatly yeah. impacted by that. And so God had a special plan for that. You know, Ken, actually I made a note cause I wanted to ask you about this. I know you've talked in the past about the influence your dad had on your faith. Mm. Um, I would love to know what, what, what did that look like practically? What rhythms, what kind of conversations, how did he pursue you well it, through biblical truth? Well, you know, um, my father was one, you know, one of the verses of scripture that he often uh, recited was, you know, whatever you do, do is under the Lord. So for him, you did everything properly. You did it to the Lord. You, you threw yourself into it. And he was also one who had saturated, him, saturated himself in the word of God. Actually, as he was dying, um, a younger brother of mine, who's now with the Lord uh, too, but uh, he sat beside my father and said, why did you love God's word so much? And he said, well, my father died when I was 16, so I didn't have an earthly father. Wow. So I turned to the words of my heavenly father and read them over and over again. Wow. He, so he saturated himself in the word of God. And he, he was one that was, he, he, they often <laughs> in church, uh, and we were in different churches because he was transferred every three years when he was promoted. Uh, but they called him, his name was Mervyn, and uh, he was sometimes given the name Merv the Stirrer because he was always prepared to stand up for what he believed. Mm -hmm. A lot of people in the church, they just want to, you know, brush things under the carpet, don't want to have mm -hmm. to deal with it. But he wouldn't do that. And, you know, when, when a church handed out a devotional booklet and one of the devotions was on the flood and said Noah's flood was local. He, I mean, he, you see the steam coming out of his ears. Mm -hmm. And he made sure he went to the pastor and the elders said, you can't do this. You shouldn't be handing that out to people. It's undermining God's word. And they just wanted to, you know, make it go away. But he, he insisted that you have to make a statement to the church. You have to tell them that this is not right. And I saw that sort of thing over and over again. And, you know, because Australia has so few churches, some of the country areas we went to, the pastors were pretty liberal, affected by the liberal theology. My father was greatly concerned about that. So he would study liberal theology and get the answers and teach us the answers so that we wouldn't be led astray. And wow. I, you know, I remember some of these pastors teaching things like, you know, it was the Reed Sea, not the Red Sea. And my father was talking about, you know, how could they drown in six inches of water in the Reed Sea? And <laughs> that's not what the scripture says. And a little boy took it, his loaves and fishes. So everybody else did the same. He set an example and he would go to the <laughs> pastor and open the Bible and say, that is not what it says. Yeah. This is what it says. His favorite verses of scripture are things like, have you not read? This, it mm -hmm. is written. Uh, he, he loved those verses because it was the authority of the word of God. So... He, he was teaching us apologetics. I never heard the word apologetics then. He didn't use the word apologetics, but that's what he was really doing. He was equipping us. He didn't want us to be led astray by the liberal theology, so he mm -hmm. made sure we had those answers. And, you know, my, my uh, godly mother, she would um, uh, pray with us. They would teach us scripture. And I'll never forget, for instance, things that uh, she taught, uh, God first, others second, yourself last. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can still hear her saying that it's only what has done for Jesus that last. Wow. And then she would she would kneel with us as little kids and taught us to pray. You know, Jesus tend to shepherd, hear me, bless thy little lamb tonight. There's a whole poem there that uh, uh, goes back a long way. But uh, we, we would pray that and teach us scripture. You know, your word have I hid in my heart so I might not sin against you and, and so on. And so 
you know, both my mother and father were, were really raising us up to stand on God's word, know God's word, yeah. and be able to defend the Christian faith and answer the critics. Man, it's it's so neat to hear that. You know, I think a lot of uh, parents could feel so overwhelmed in in the present age and the things that we're facing. And I think it's so valuable to see that all throughout Christian, all throughout church history, parents have raised their children in a world that is an, is antithetical to the gospel. Whether you want to talk about the Romans or, you know, your parents were raising you in, in the midst of the modernity controversy, it sounds like in the sense that that was a time mm-hmm. in which the church was being attacked and the influence was to remove all the miracles. We can explain right. this through rationale, the Red Sea, the virgin birth, explain away all of those miracles in your your dad, your mom stood firm. And I, I love, and I, Ray, I want you to talk into this because you, you mentioned that it all started with his saturation with God's word. Ray, how important is it for parents to start with themselves and saturating themselves in the word of God and allowing that to pour out into the hearts of their children? Yeah, must lead by example. Um, nothing dissipates respect like hypocrisy and hmm. parents. And I was talking to a girl the other day. She said, my father's a Christian, sort of. She was very skeptical. And I said, what do you mean, sort of? Was he a hypocrite? She said, yeah. I said, well, how'd that make you feel? She said, it disillusioned me. Yeah. And so I had a hard row to hoe with her because of that, that hardness of heart that she'd got from watching a hypocritical father. So it's essential that we're genuine. Ken, I've got a question for you. Promote your ark. That's not a question. Tell us about the ark. <laughs> it's, a, it's a statement. Tell us, um, tell people why they should visit Kentucky and, vis- and visit your ark. Because I, I can't tell you how impressed I was when I saw it. I was expecting a little boat with giraffes sticking their heads out the top. Do you see but, what he did when he said boat? Yes. Yeah. He, he does did. not like <clears throat> it when you call it no. a boat. Yeah, boat, 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 boat. There's multiple and, things he's going to correct. It. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever he wants to insult me, he just says... Go to your boat. <laughs> Go and visit your boat. Toy boat, toy boat. He, he knows it. He knows I get really mad at that. The yeah. boat's millions of years old. But anyway, Ken, tell them why they should visit. Well, we actually have uh, the two leading Christian-themed attractions in the world in northern Kentucky. And by the way, the reason we built them in northern Kentucky were within a one-day drive of two-thirds of the population. And then the uh, people in the west, are, you know, that's their problem. But uh, so... <laughs> The two attractions, the first one was the Creation Museum, which is like a whole walk through the Bible. And we actually have exhibits dealing with the whole history of the Bible. And we have a dinosaur exhibit, insectarium. I almost we, got eaten by we a have snake a, there. We have a planetarium uh, with, uh, I mean, cutting edge technology. We have a 4D theater. We have the most powerful pro-life exhibit in the world, fearfully and wonderfully made. We're building a massive glass conservatory complex right now to raise the plants wow. of the Bible, have our Eden wow. teaching center. Um, so plants. plants. And you've got the boat. Don't forget the boat. And then then, uh, we also built a second attraction, which is a massive ship. Uh, It is is a... (laughs) So we built Noah's Ark to scale according to the Bible. So it's 510 feet long, 85 feet wide. So it's one and a half times the length of a football field, half the width of a football field, 51 feet high, built 15 feet off the ground at the bow, and it's 104 feet high, 3.3 million board feet of timber. Where'd you get the wood? Real timber. The timber trees. No, where'd you get the wood, Ken? Where's it from? From trees. From New Zealand trees. uh, Some of it was. (laughs) Uh, the stuff on the outside, but we had to yeah. treat it first because yeah. it's from oh. New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, it had to be treated so a lot. It, 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 it was, was ra- de-New Zealand. It was radiata pine. It was yeah. sent over to the Netherlands. 
uh, where it goes through a process called a coya. It's like a vinegar process, preserves it, then it was sent back to North Carolina, made into shiplap. So, you know, you just couldn't take ordinary wood from New Zealand, use it. You had to do a lot of stuff with it before Mm -hmm. it was suitable to use. (laughs) And that was what's put on the outside. Uh, But actually, it's built like, if you can imagine a loaf of bread and you've got all these slices, these slices called a bent, and uh, it, uh, so, a ha- so you, a half bent would be half of one of the slices and they have these big lodge poles, massive pieces of timber and post and beam. It ends up being the biggest, not timber structure in the world, but it's the biggest freestanding timber frame structure in the world. Wow. We had about 90 Amish and Mennonite craftsmen that did most of the timber work. And uh, it is... It's actually the biggest attraction in Kentucky. So how many visitors do you get during a day? Well, during the day, Mm. it depends on the day. Well, like a holiday. We could get anywhere from four, five, six thousand up to ten, eleven thousand. Wow. And actually last year at the the Ark and the Creation Museum, a total number of visitors was 1.5 million uh, there in northern Kentucky. And And the atheists said it would sink and it didn't. (laughs) That's true. They did. (laughs) And it, it has not. No, no, not at all. We're getting more and more people that are coming. It's filled with three decks, 130 exhibits answering all sorts of questions at apologetics, emphasis, and, you know, post-flight events like the Ice Age and so on as well. Perfect for families to visit. uh, Wonderful family attractions for for both the Ark and the Creation Museum. In fact, we have a three-day bouncer ticket, bouncer, kangaroo, bouncing, Kenham, Australia, bouncer ticket. So we have <laughs> a three-day bouncer ticket so people can bounce back and forth between the Ark and the Creation Museum mm. uh, as much as they want. And actually, we get a lot of Californians who visit there. Yeah. And when they do, I, I like to ask them a question. How many of you from California? We'll get some hands up. How many of you are going back? <laughs> and most of them are not. <laughs> They're not going back. <laughs> They're sort of Let a me... one-way thing. Well, I appreciate that because yeah. we love the weather here and we want to enjoy it. With less people, less people. <laughs> you know what? Let me let me just say, having been there, um, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe because when you, and I've heard you talk about this, Ken. Maybe because like you look at all these children's books and you see this ark, and it's you know always kind of looks really small and these gigantic. Mm-hmm. The emphasis yeah. is always put on the animals, right? So you know the 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 giraffe's head is bigger than the the boat. And uh, and so the scale just always feels small when you see them in the children's book. And there's a moment when you visit the ark where you're you're in like the tram and you roll over this hill and there is this just massive structure that yeah. takes over the horizon. And it is quite literally breathtaking. I know we're about to wrap up here. I want to hear real quick. We've talked about so much that you guys do mm-hmm. uh, and it is endless. Joe, if someone's like, man, AIG is doing a lot uh, mm-hmm. and they want to learn more. Where's a first step? Where's the first place that you'd say, hey, if you want to learn more about the ARC, about the the, the, the work that we're doing, about the museum, here's the well, first step for you. S- start with our website, answersingenesis.org. And then the, uh, you can link to both the ARC and Creation Museum from there, arcencounter.com, creationmuseum.org. Uh, but it's, uh, it, I find that for me to bring family, friends, others uh, that are non-believers is much simpler than trying to get them to come to church with you. Because it's, as Ken mentioned, the structure is amazing Uh, and and it's known around the world and there's a fascination with the ark. So from my witnessing perspective, 
We have a lot of people. In fact, what's the percentage that our research says? About 30% non-Christian. That makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you why that makes sense to me because I think it's worth, I I think it is an evangelistic experience. Mm -hmm. One, you guys have the gospel uh, all throughout the experience inside of the ark and it is awe inspiring. Uh, It's breathtaking. And so- And you know, it's not just an ark. We also have uh, other uh, things there as well. We have zip lines. People say, why do you have zip lines? Mm -hmm. Because Christians can have fun too. (laughs) And we have a zoo. Or from a biblical worldview perspective, we have a stage where they do special uh, live animal programs. We have a 2,500-seat conference center. Uh, we have uh, restaurant. many different speakers mm-hmm. there. We've got a massive restaurant, Mzara's. It's one of the biggest restaurants in America. Uh, we have a virtual reality ride. We have a carousel. We're actually building a building right now that'll house a massive a model of first-century Jerusalem. It'll be wow. the most up-to-date such model in the world. And it's going to be 2,000 square feet, dividing three big sections, and it's going to be quite something. Wow. So we're working on that right now. Don't forget the key theater film on the third deck of the Ark. Hmm. Oh, we do. It stars stars Ray Comfort. Yeah, I know. I've seen it. We we have him as a holographic image, which is... Yeah, we preserve him forever. Yeah, and it also (laughs) means we can spruce it up and make him look nice and human and all that. So... Uh, oh. But actually, do you know what? That that movie, I, I mm-hmm. remember when I asked you uh, if you would actually uh, pr- present the gospel for a movie you want to show on the third deck of the ark. And I even heard that you turned up to film it and you didn't have your shoes. It was, <laughs> it was, <laughs> yeah, that's it was a huge mix-up. I, I just forgot. My, I ended up in white sneakers and black pants and I thought, I can't do that. So I had to borrow it. Easy shoes when they were out, so you got a Jew and Arab shoes. How very comfortable. But anyway, to give you just one example, just one, and I know that there are many others, but one of our staff was in the bookstore, which is down underneath the ark, and someone recognized him as a staff man, he had a staff badge on, and went up to him and said, oh, can I tell you? And he actually videoed him, and I've got the video of it, uh, but the man said, I just want to let you know, he said, I brought my family to the ark and my son-in-law was not a Christian. And he said, we sat uh, and watched that movie. And at the end, my son-in-law turned to me and said, I want to commit my life to the Lord. Wow. Oh, wow, that's wonderful. And he said, my son-in-law was saved right there. He said, wow. you know, for me, he said, I've been a Christian, you know, just about all my life. I mean, he said, I've got a real boring testimony, you know, grew up in a Christian home and so and, and trusted the Lord as, as a young person and that. But my son-in-law, he was saved on yeah. the ark. <laughs> and he was so excited about it. Man, I, one, So there's I, eight people were saved, nine, yeah, yeah, now nine. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Man, this is fun. Uh, one, I don't think there's anything boring about uh, a faithful Christian that grew up in a church home. Uh, thank you so much for sharing everything that you guys are doing. Just promise me you will not try to rebuild the Tower of Babel. It won't end well. I've seen it happen in the Old Testament. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a treat and a blessing uh, for those listening, AIG.org. That's right. Answers in Genesis. Answers in Genesis.org. That's a great first place to start. If you haven't already, strongly encourage you to to visit Kentucky, visit the Ark and all the, I mean, it is is multiple days of family fun that you guys will experience. So uh, again, Joe, Ken, thank you guys so much for joining us here on the Living Waters Podcast. It's great to be here. Thank you. Amen. Wow. Ray, how did you survive that? <laughs> There's no one like Ken Ham. He's such a Lord. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Seriously, you two together, uh, man. It's yeah. insanity. Oscar, uh, did you enjoy that? 
uh, I did what I can to keep them two together. It was like <laughs> it was like herding cats. <laughs> Seriously, man. Yeah, but what a what a sweet ministry and what a wonderful relationship. You know, it's it's rare to find people that both. Uh, that you agree with and that you really enjoy, you know, spending time with. I mean, there there are a lot of ministries that we would say, hey, that's a great ministry. We stand with them theologically, but we don't necessarily have that relationship. But with AIG, we have the relationship and there's that solid agreement on things mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, we spend our time correcting them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we'll have to do it again when Mark Spence and I are here. But anyhow, friends, uh, we hope you enjoyed that. Don't forget volatile, not volatile volatile. And I'm not going to read the subtitle again. You heard it already. Don't forget the Living Waters mug, that study Bible, all that good stuff at livingwaters.com. Ray, why are you touching your glasses? They were annoying me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us, friends. Oh, the other stuff too. Yeah. Oh, don't forget uh, podcast at livingwaters.com with thoughts and ideas and suggestions. And please don't forget to subscribe. Tell people about the podcast and we want your comments and all that other good stuff. Thank you for joining us, friends. We'll see you here next time on the Living Waters podcast. The ultimate cure for insomnia. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters podcast. We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline, California. Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina. Andrea from Anderson, Indiana. Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. Lowell from Yakima, Washington. Don from Charleston, Illinois. John from Ford, Australia. Good on you, Mike. And Dave from Willen Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.